1: Purple Daily is Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. I will ride with this group. Seriously, man. Please. And away we go.
2: Alright, Purple Daily on draft. Every Monday, right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. If you didn't see or hear on our main episode or our on any score nor social channels, we finally have a location for the 2024 NFL uh, Vikings draft party. It'll be at the Fillmore in Minneapolis, right in the north loop there, right next to Target Field. Uh, Tickets and information coming very soon, but we will uh, let you know we are having a draft party. It'll be on round one for Thursday night at the Fillmore in Minneapolis. Again, we'll have a little bit more details on tickets uh, coming up here shortly too. But mark your calendars. I know some people have flown in from out of state for this event. So yes, we are hosting a draft party. There is ample parking uh, Options. There is a hotel option too that's attached to the Fillmore. So if you're staying from out of town, that'll be a blast. These two guys, Tyler Miles, will also be out there. Our guy Thor will be out there. Mackie Judd and myself, of course, will be out there. We're super excited. We're super pumped um, to be doing this. So we're countdowns on, boys. We're like what nine weeks away or so, give or take seven weeks. What's my What's my Saint Cloud math telling me here? It's It's February 19th. The draft is the 25th. So yeah, you got like two
0: months, like, like two, months. two months. Let's just go yeah. two months.
2: Why am I why am I incorporating weeks into this? That oh, was wow. that was my mistake. Shouldn't have even said that. <laughs> that was my mistake. Um, well, boys, let's let's start here. And Miles did a, a film review of some running backs that we'll get into on the back end of this show. But I wanted to start here because uh, it was a little conver- good conversation on Twitter that I thought was worth bringing up. It's dream pick, likely pick, despised pick. Now, Miles, I know you tweeted your response uh to that to that question last week and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. But what is 4 0 for you? I'll, I'll I'll start with you here. What's your dream pick? What's your likely pick? And what is the despised pick that you can see happening for the Vikings in the NFL draft this year? And maybe I guess let's let's incorporate this as round one, right? Like I don't I don't I don't need like your whole all all, all eight picks, but mm-hmm. your dream pick, likely pick, despised pick when the Vikings first get on the clock in round one.
1: Well, my despised pick, I think everybody at this point knows that his name is Bo Nix, but I don't think he's going to go in round one. I think it, the discussion around him is more of a psyop, so I'm going to kind of go more realistic. I, I'm going to start with the negative and we'll bit positive. I think my despised pick would be Alabama's Dallas Turner. I oh. don't see him as this high-end pass rusher right now. I think some of it is, oh, he played at St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida, and if you don't know the school, it is an absolute powerhouse. And then he went to play for Nick Saban in Alabama. And if you watch that game against Georgia in the SEC title game, he has this long arm where he just absolutely bullies the tackle right into Carson Beck. He's got some ability and talent. I give him a high second. I just don't see him with this next level ability to utilize power, this next level ability to maximize his athleticism, which apparently is phenomenal. He's going to test like like a freak at the combine. I just I haven't seen this package to tell me that this guy is a surefire first rounder. He is going to be an absolute difference maker at the next level. And if he is, I wouldn't be super surprised. But it's far from this guarantee, which is why I have him lower. I would just considering who else could potentially be there on the board at that position, I would be very, very disappointed with the pick. I I think the likely pick is going to end up being JJ McCarthy because I have him as QB4. I think when all is said and done, when everything gets leveled out, pro days, information coming from the NFL, I think he's going to be selected as QB4, whether you think he should be or not. It just, I don't think Drake May is going to fall to four. He was QB2 going into the year. He was QB2 coming out of the year. And then all of a sudden, the last week and a half, people are just super down on him. I, I don't see it. I think there are some absolute questions to ask. Concerning some of the underlying metrics, every metric needs context, and you have to be able to find that context to truly answer whether that metric is good or not in terms of a singular evaluation. So, my absolute dream scenario actually is Drake May. I think he's the best quarterback in this class. I, I think it's close between him, Daniels, and Williams, but the way he can navigate through pressure, the way he can extend plays. And one of the issues that I saw and like he just does not complete many passes outside of structure and in scramble drills. Well, when you watch those receivers, it's almost like they were coached to not go into scramble drill mode where when you're a receiver and you see your quarterback bailing the pocket, you completely stop what you're doing and work back to them, try and give them an open target to throw to. It's pretty commonplace. It feels like they were coached to block. And I don't know that as a hundred percent fact, That's what I got kind of watching film because you didn't see guys trying to work back to him, give may a target to throw to. So it, it felt like that they were almost preparing for me to run. And that was the coaching point. So I I'm not super concerned about it. I think he's got next level arm ability. He's got next level ability to create when he has to, and he can run the football incredibly effectively. He's not, you're not going to want to design a ton of like RPOs and runs for him. But he'll, get, he'll absolutely gouge you, and you can utilize some of that within how you create your structure with your playbook. So I'm incredibly high on in me. He's number two on my board overall right now. I don't think that'll change unless I fall in love with a couple of these offensive tackles, which, let's be honest, is a very good possibility because of how good this class is. But that, that's kind of where I'm sitting. It's, there's going to be very little that frustrates me unless they just completely
2: botch quarterback. The Dallas Turner thing's interesting because we've seen him mocked a few times. I don't know if we've really gotten so deep into the woods there where Forno, you had the hot tick. That would be your despised pick because there is going to be
1: number two mock draft. According to my mock draft tracker. Yeah. 23 out of 175 mocks so far
2: this year, because if they don't take McCarthy and I don't take McCarthy, I would assume that he's off the board. He has already been taken. I can see a scenario and I think my like dream scenario, or my most likely scenario, I won't say dream scenario, but I think the most likely scenario for me would be there's, a ru- there's availability of edge rushers right when the Vikings are on the clock and they trade back a couple spots, you accumulate maybe a couple extra day two picks, and you're still able to get a really decent edge rusher by moving back a couple spots while acquiring more capital. I know some Vikings fans are probably against the idea of Quasi trading back from the PTSD from the first draft. But moving back a couple spots previously to gain more capital and still get a position of need, I'd be okay with that. I would think that would be my most likely scenario here. Uh, Miles, how about you, man? I I think it's it's quarterback or edge rusher for you, right? That'd be the most likely path. What would be your most despised path?
0: I mean, yeah, you stole my thunder there a little bit, Declan. Um, (laughs) um, But no, yeah, I think my yeah my dream scenario is obviously quarterback. I've said the top. Give me one of the top four quarterbacks, Um, just from a realistic standpoint. I think you no. I, I think you could take Caleb Williams off the board, but of course, like if you could find a way to get him, go get him. But Drake May, JJ McCarthy, and Jane Daniels, I think any of those guys, I'm I'm all for. I, I'll buy in, and I think if they identify one of those guys as their guy, I'm all in. And that's kind of where I've been at. Is I I kind of want to trust KOC and Quazy to kind of like identify the quarterback they want, go get him, and like let him be the guy because um, they we haven't seen it, seen them have the opportunity to do it yet. So. That's kind of where I'm like, I'll have confidence in whatever they choose to do there. Um, my despised scenario, like kind of what you're saying, like my, my likely one is whether it's quarterback or or like edge rusher. I think those are like the top two positions. I think I could see them going after in the first round. Um, my despised scenario is just like not identifying or or addressing quarterback within with one of the first two picks. I say first two because I just know how how crazy things can be in the first round. You never know how things are going to fall. We don't know how if they will be or are willing to go move up to go get a quarterback. Um, So, so many of those factors is really hard to play. And so like, I don't like to say it's quarterback or bust because you just never know how things can play out. Now, if a guy falls to them, like one of those four guys and they don't take them, I'm going to have a huge problem because, (laughs) but you know, again, if, if they have to, if they have to take an edge rusher in round one and they want to move up in round two from round two to, to round one or, or take a guy in round two at quarterback, I could get on board with it. um, because at least they're still addressing it with one of their top two picks, and I think that matters so much with this regime and this this team and this franchise of where they how they move forward. Um, because they haven't been willing to make that move the last couple of years, so you, you got to make the move at some point. And I think mm-hmm. this is the perfect time to do it. Um, it's a deep quarterback class, a lot of talent, a lot of opportunity. So I'm I'm all on board with a, at least one of the first two picks as like kind of my like uh, dream scenario, and my despise is to not address those positions with their like first two picks um, if it's not quarterback early, like right away. So um, yeah, I, I would be, a, you'd probably see me just complain. I don't, I don't even know if I could log on for a while if those first two <laughs> picks are just like uh, not quarterback and then especially not quarterback and or edge rusher. I just, I feel like I, I just wouldn't know what to do.
2: <laughs> so in a, in a dream scenario though, cause I know you've been a big Jaden Daniels fan is a dream scenario still Jaden Daniels trading up forward or would Drake may be someone, and let's assume maybe Caleb Williams is off too. is trading up for Daniels or may for you miles, the more of a dream pick scenario.
0: I think it would be may because I think the way he can, I think his ability to process quickly and make decisions quickly is something that they can get uh, a little bit more within this offense of structure. I think may fits that better. And I think he does have that escapability and maneuverability. And as I hear Kevin O'Connell, I can't remember what show it was on, but he got asked like his ideal quarterback and like all those all these questions that you know he always gets asked. He had mentioned Herbert as a guy that he just really liked. And Drake May has a little bit more of those like attributes as like a a Justin Herbert attribute. He's got a really good arm. He's got maneuverability and escapability. He's big, physical, can run. Um, But he doesn't. I don't think he uses. He doesn't utilize his legs as something like he has to do. He or like as something he wants to go do. He does it because it's a necessity, and he just has the ability to do it. So that's what I really like. Really like about what Drake May brings to the table. And I think Kevin O'Connell and and Co. I, I really think they're going to identify May as like their top guy outside of Caleb Williams. I think he's going to be the guy that they identify and are going to try to go get. And then after that, I think it'll be J.J. McCarthy and and Jade Daniels. I don't know what order between those two, mm-hmm. but I think Drake May is the guy that kind of fits. What they would like their prototypical quarterback to be within the scheme and offense.
2: Forno, would cornerback be something that's PTSD for Vikings if they took a cornerback? Because I've seen even a couple mocks here that have had the Vikings potentially even taking a corner. I feel like fans would lose their minds if there's another corner. How would you react though? Or how would you maybe talk them off the ledge if it was a cornerback taken in the first round by the Vikings?
1: Yeah, just view this as a singular instance. This isn't the Rick Spielman era. This isn't making Mike Zimmer happy by taking the Mike Hughes, Mackenzie, Alexander's of the world to really fortify the room. This would be, we've identified this as the best guy on the board and we're going to take him. And quite frankly, I don't think you have to add a top light corner to this room. I think you can add a fringe starter in free agency, let him compete with the likes of Caleb Evans, but Kai Blackman, Andrew Booth Jr. And that'll strengthen the room because you don't need an alpha in the room. You just need nobody who sucks. That's going to play regularly. And like the Bengals a few years ago when they made the Super Bowl, like Eli Apple was a functional cornerback for them. He wasn't good, but outside of like, like a couple plays, he wasn't bad either. And you just have capable corners. It's like offensive line. You don't need anybody who's truly great. You just need to have no weaknesses. And it's kind of the same in the secondary. Now, if you have great players, it's awesome, but you don't, it's not a necessity to be successful. So if they take one, it's going to be because it's the best player on the board. Terry and Arnold from Alabama, who's my top corner. He's number three on my board overall. Uh, he's been mocked to the Vikings 14 times. Cooper to the Iowa corner. He's been mocked to him 11. I'm a lot lower on him than other people because I think he struggles uh, when he's not playing in any kind of bail technique where he can crash forward. I I don't see him uh, being super successful with his, his back to the ball compared to like how some other corners might. So I would, I would be kind of against him at 11. I'd be fine with Arnold, but it, it would just feel a little deflating considering what the quarterback class is. And if you're going to hate on it, I think that's how you do it. That's how you criticize. Mm-hmm. But if you take a Terry and Arnold at 11, in my opinion, it's not really something you can criticize unless you're directly passing on that quarterback. And then with, if that happens, you have to have the same conversation we had with Will Levis last year. Why? Why did they pass on him? Why didn't they believe that he could be the franchise? And you'll have to answer more questions from there on out, especially if Kirk Cousins isn't back next year. But cornerback in a vacuum is fine. Just, it would just feel, it's like drafting an offensive lineman. It just feel unsexy and eh. But if the talent is there, and that's the talent on the board, it's okay.
2: What's your guys' opinion on the S2 test? So last year, like Bryce Young aced it, C.J. Stroud bombed it. And apparently I think Dave Tepper based that reason, or at least one of the biggest reasons why he ended up taking Bryce Young uh, over C.J. Stroud. Brock Purdy, a few years ago, had also a very, very good score on the S2 test. He's the last pick in the draft. They've gotten rid of the Wonderlick. They've replaced it with the S2. Forno, do you still stake... Do you still take stock in the S2 test? Like, should players just avoid it? What's your kind of opinion on this cognitive test that draft picks are somewhat required to take?
1: Well, I think it should be noted that with the CJ Stroud leak, they didn't exactly leak the proper information. I think that was reported on by uh, Arif Hasan. Um, I, I, I might be paraphrasing a little bit, but what the data that we were told was not the proper data. And quite frankly, I don't know enough about the S2 cognition test and all the intricacies of it to understand how it's going to project out for football players. So I'm really indifferent on it as far as the players are concerned. You know, uh, CJ Stroud is probably lucky that he didn't end up in Carolina and that he's in Houston considering, you know, how dysfunctional that Carolina franchise is. And like, I'm not, I wasn't the biggest believer in Bryce Young once I dove into the All-22. Like he's got that moxie, he's got that kind of like I'm the guy thing, but then when he gets into poor situations, he doesn't have anything to rely on as far as like this next level trait. So, like you can process great all you want, but if somebody's in your face and you, it's like it's like the Mike Tyson thing. Second, somebody punches you in the face, what are you going to do? And he doesn't have that great arm or anything to be able to get him out of those issues. So, I I don't know enough about this to really have an opinion. I mm-hmm. think it could be great. It could also mean absolutely nothing. I'm <laughs> I just am not ingrained in that world to really have a true opinion.
2: Miles, does a whole new stock for you, or are you to kind of fall in line with four 0 That hey, it's it's a test. It's just part of the evaluations, but it should maybe just we shouldn't really take a whole lot of stock whether a guy bombs it or whether a guy aces it.
0: I mean, it's a data point for sure, like as as we all talk about. But I think I view it as like a, like the ACT or SAT right. in that like cool. It's nice to have, but like I don't think it truly dictates whether a guy like understands and knows football. I think it, it's an, an evaluation point you try to use to to understand that, but I just don't think when guys are on the field and they're on the fly, they're like this type of testing can really determine whether a guys are like going to be successful or not. I don't like I don't know the full test the way the like we know the wonderlick a little bit more than than what we know about the S two test, but if they're kind of like similar in a lot of ways, then I, yeah, I just think it's a it's a data point, but I don't really take a lot of stock into it because I think I was never good at like those like ACT type tests. But I, I felt like I was a pretty smart person overall <laughs> like and I could I could like work in the business world just fine and it, yeah. like it it didn't like hold me back from anything but like I just think some people are just better at those types of things than others but it doesn't determine whether they're like good at football or whether they can process things at a high level or not uh like I was really good at recalling like plays and and, and schemes and, and scripts when we ran it in football like when I was in college like I, I got really good at that but like sometimes like everybody's different and everybody operates and learns differently. Mm-hmm. So I just don't like using it as like a end all be all, like whether a guy should be like CJ Stroud, whether CJ Stroud should be uh, considered a, a bust potential player because of it or not. I, just, I always found that. So to to answer that original question, like guys probably should just avoid it. Like it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to matter. Like art it, it shouldn't matter, but it's, it's another data point that people are going to use. So if it's going to be used against you negatively and you don't like feel it's necessary, like then don't, don't partake in it.
2: I just don't think it should, should determine anything. As I don't know to speak for both of you guys, but in school, like I would much rather give a speech or a presentation in front of a class than take an exam. Like I, I, yeah. I, I hated taking tests. Yeah. Especially like standardized tests. Like you know, yeah, the your standardized protocols. testing.
0: I couldn't, Oh mm-hmm. no, nah.
2: the absolute worst. So yeah, I would much thing. rather try to BS my way around a presentation than BS my way around an exam. <laughs> um, well, Miles, you also you did some deep dives uh, on YouTube and, and on film reviews, I should say, this week in the running back wide receiver class. Um, let's let's start with running back here. because so we've talked a little bit of wide receivers, but the running back position remains an issue, I think, for the Vikings. I don't know. We, we did a deep dive this too with Kevin O'Connell. When he, even when he was an O.C. with Washington, O.C. with even the Rams and his two year sample size with the Vikings, his teams have had ineffective abilities at running the football. Now, is that personnel? Is that scheme? Is that blocking? There, there's a bunch of, it's not just a stat of, hey, they're 29th in run attempts. Well, why? Why are they? You know, Ford always talks about context. Why are they so poor at running the football? Um, but what running backs to you stood out? And I guess, is this a day two pick for the Vikings? Or are you more of trying to maybe maximize this on day three?
0: I mean, I, really, all, well, depend on what they do with their first two picks because they don't have, they only have two Top 100 picks, so I don't expect it to be one of those like day two picks. But that could be they have two fourth fourth round picks, so that could be one of those picks that they use. And I think this class kind of fits in that perfect like round three, round four range where I don't see a lot of. I think that's where we're going to see a lot of the running backs go. Whereas I don't see a lot of like day one, day two running backs. They're probably more end of day two running backs. um, But I think overall, I just don't think this is like a top heavy class. I think it's a pretty deep class, but not like a top heavy one. Um, and so I, so for me, I, to answer part of your questions, if you say like, I think it's all of the above for the Vikings run game issues, I think there's personnel, I think they haven't matched married up well, their scheme versus personnel. Whereas before, uh, O'Connell got here it was very much his zone outside zone scheme and they'd brought in guys to fit that scheme. And so that, I think that's what made it more effective than what it is now. I think they've tried to do both, be a gap, uh, and, a you know, and his own team. And I think it's just been hard for them to kind of marry it all up. And then I also think they've lost talent at the position at what, when it, whether it's Alexander Madison, you know, Dalvin cook was pretty good last year from like a volume standpoint, but like when you look at his like yards per touch and yards per carry type, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Um a lot of boom or bust. And so I think, um, I just think his talent was more than what we saw from Madison. Um, I just don't think the scheme itself is, has really helped anything either. Um, but then when you look at the guys I've looked at, I, the one thing I don't know from a Kevin O'Connell is I just don't know like what his prototypical like running back is. Mm-hmm. We've seen him have Dalvin cook. Who's an explosive, you know, um, outside zone, like uh type runner. Matt Madison is an outside zone type runner, but he's not very explosive, but he's big. Um, and then Ty Chandler is an explosive running back. And we know that we saw a lot of that last year. So I- I'm curious to kind of, I'd assume speed factors to them. I think speed is important for them, but I do wonder like what their prototypical running back is. Mm-hmm. Um like I looked at guys like Blake Corum, Ray Davis and William Shipley over the weekend those are the few the guys I just like wanted to look at more. Um I'm I like Blake Corum and like I think there's a little bit more of that like I don't know how good of a receiver he is, but I think in like the screen game I think he could be solid and I think he's just a guy that's like a one cut runner who did really well in Michigan's offense to do that. Um Ray Davis is a little bit more of that like smaller explosive type. Um you know that guy that not Ty Chandler because I think he's more stockier than Ty Chandler, but I think you know, maybe there's a little bit of some of that type of skill set, and then William Shipley's to me kind of like a, a mix of both. Like he's bigger, he's taller, like five eleven, you know, a little over two hundred pounds, whereas the other guys are shorter. So he kind of has a little bit more of that prototypical size. But um, I'd be curious to see. Like I think he has a little bit more of a. He's a good receiver, and I think he could be like a, a one cut type runner, a little bit more at, with some explosion. But I'm not like I said, they kind of all all three of those guys vary in like their skill sets, and so I'm really curious to see like what uh, O'Connell, like what they what they really look for in their t- prototypical type guy. If they were to take one in round three or round four, if they find a way to get a round three pick, um, like where do they really view that guy. Cause all we've seen them do is take um, Ty Chandler and Dwayne and Dwayne McBride. And McBride's more of that bigger, bigger guy, but he's a seventh round pick and uh, Ty Chandler is, is that speed guy. So I, are they looking for complimentary pieces or are they like a, Hey, we want one guy and we want to ro- roll with him type. So, those guys to me were ones that I thought were intriguing and and could fit kind of what we do just in different ways.
2: Forno, what what do you think Kevin O'Connell's ideal running back looks like? I think Miles brings, miles brings up a new layer of that too, where yes, we can look at the attempts. We can look at the scheme, maybe trying to marry both those together, but what kind of running back do you think he likes or what kind of running back would be a good fit in a Kevin O'Connell's type of offense too? I guess a little two-prong question. (sighs)
1: I don't think he's necessarily shown his cards on what he truly wants from a running back, mm-hmm. but I think it's very clear based on usage that he wants a, a running back with a more of a diverse skill set and who's not going to make catastrophic mistakes, which is one of the reasons why Ty Chandler just didn't get on the field more, despite being a more explosive runner, because in pass blocking he would make catastrophic mistakes. You can't do that. And that's one of the big conversations about like some of these rookies getting on the field you can't pass block on third down. You're not going to get on the field because you're going to have to do that a decent amount. It's not just running routes. It's not just getting the ball. You have to do the dirty work. And I think that he's going to prioritize that. He's going to prioritize being able to take advantage of what's given to you. And however that may be, whether it's a, a cutback guy, or just get through the hole and then make something happen on the second level and get to the third level. That's what Madison couldn't do last year. If you were to combine Madison and Ty Chandler into one running back, that guy could make the Pro Bowl. But they each of them lack a certain amount of something, which is preventing them from being able to do what they need to do at the position. You know what? His ideal running back might be a prototype of Cam Akers. Akers could do a little bit of everything, and he started to really come out of his shell and show some of that explosiveness that quite frankly, he had lost with that first Achilles tendon tear. And then now he's dealing with the second one. So who knows if he's ever going to get anything back. But it's one of those deals where we haven't been able to see enough from him. So we can only uh, kind of hypothesize and try and figure out, hey, does he want this? Does he want that? I think the biggest key here, he just doesn't want anybody who's going to make a catastrophic mistake. That's the only thing I can really read into it.
2: Does uh, Tony Pollard do anything for you guys? Free agent running back, um, had a really good year in 2022, but then 2023 came down to earth as a, as a, as a every day, kind of every down running back, Tony Pollard in free agency. Does that excite you at all for now? Or would you kind of steer clear there?
1: No, I would go to Saquon Barkley and give him whatever he wants. Uh, oh. Within reason. Like he, here's the deal with Saquon Barkley. People be like, Oh, he's often injured. Yeah. He has had some, some nagging injuries. He had the torn ACL came back last year. Played really well and honestly carried an absolutely disgustingly putrid Giants offense with massive injuries on the O-line starting Tommy Cutlets and their best receiver was Darren Waller and outside of that, most people couldn't name one. Uh, he still somehow ranked uh, 20th in uh, yards after contact and eighty almost 80% of his yards were after contact because he just kept getting hit in the backfield constantly. He's an elite level talent at the position. He has elite-level athleticism. He's got strength to be able to break tackles. I mean, they called him Saquad coming out because of his quads were Declan. They were basically the size of you. Like <laughs> this, this dude is somebody that could take the Vikings running game to the next level. And sometimes the whole advent of free agency outside of fair labor practice was with how teams use it. Sometimes you have to pay to fix a problem. And the Vikings have a running game problem because of the running backs. Just go get a good one. You're going to more likely than not have a rookie quarterback. So give them one more piece to be successful. You've got your bookend tackles. You've got two great receivers. Now you're going to have a great running back. And when Hawkinson comes back, a top five tight end, that's a pretty good baseline to Mm -hmm. allow a quarterback to get comfortable. Allow them to be successful. Is it sexy to pay a running back 11, 12, 13 million? No. Does it make sense for everybody? Absolutely not. Does it make sense for a team with a rookie quarterback to pay a top five running back in the national football league? Yes. The Colts have done it with Jonathan Taylor. The 49ers are doing it right now with Christian McCaffrey, help out the future quarterback of the Vikings, get the running back, get Saquon Barkley. Well,
2: that's a, that's a hot take for now. I don't, and I don't think anyone really heard that much of, of Saquon Barkley's name to the Vikings miles. Does that do anything for you? Would you steer clear of both those options? Would you rather just take one on the draft? But Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, does that fix the Vikings' running back problem a little bit? I mean, I'm typically a not don't pay running backs mm-hmm.
0: type, but at the same time, I do I do agree to that like there should be a varying level of like ability that they go get at the position, especially if you want to focus your offense around a rookie quarterback. You need that run game to be way way better. Like, there's no way a rookie quarterback is going to survive in this offense if they have to shoulder the entire offense as a rookie or like into year two. Like, they need to have that complimentary piece. At the running in the running game to be more efficient because you can't like Kirk helped bail out this offense a lot because Kirk's an experienced re- a quarterback at it that plays at a certain level. You, you're rookie, you're not, you can't expect a rookie to be able to do that. So I, I think they should maybe go out and go get a running back, but like maybe like a DeAndre Swift. I don't know if I'd pay, you know, 12, 13 million uh, per, but I think like a DeAndre Swift or even a uh, who was I looking at? Uh, um, I don't, Antonio Gibson has that like explosion. I, I'm not sure how Antonio Gibson fits because he's kind of a weird one. He kind of got phased out in Washington, mm-hmm. but he's that explosive bigger, bigger body back too. Um, but I think he could maybe do well with a, a new change of scenery. Um, and he's a really good receiver as well. He came he came out of Memphis as a receiver, um, kind of made that like opposite of Curtis Samuel switch where he was a receiver turning to running back, not a running back turned to receiver. Um, but I think, you know any of those guys are all explosive and I think they can both help they can all help in the in the past game as well um so I think giving a guy like that who's in that like five six seven million dollar range um can can help because you you're probably gonna have to whether you keep Madison or not he's I think his money's guaranteed Ty Chandler is still gonna be around so I think how they utilize their running back is gonna matter as well and and how much because the one thing we know about Kevin O'Connell is even if the run game's going, he always seems to default back to passing the passing the ball, which yep. I'm not I'm not against. I, I love passing the football. Um, but like that's always his like his uh his his go to is is passing the ball. So like even the run game's rolling, he always gets away from it um and always goes to passing the football. So um like with the Saquon Barkley and you're gonna pay him that much, you need to use him that much. And I don't know if I trust Kevin O'Connell to to commit to the run game that much to make it worth it. But I think Barkley obviously like best guy in the open market. Um if you could get him at a reasonable price, I'm I'm all for it, but I I probably would rather go a little step below and pay pay that like second tier type running back cuz you're not going to utilize him as much as you as you would uh you'd like to if you're going to pay a guy like Barkley.
1: I'll say this, I think you would use a guy like Barkley a lot more because he'd be able to trust Barkley. And I think mm-hmm. one of the main reasons why he was impatient, he just he couldn't trust the running backs in on this team for the last 2 years and I think it was more of a Not want like less of a not wanting to and more of I don't trust you, so I'm going to go with the guys I trust, which was Kirk, which was Jefferson, which was Hawkinson. That's right. So if you bring in somebody you trust, plus Barkley can do both gap and zone. So you wouldn't have to change your offense. You wouldn't have to worry about, hey, am I going to run outside zone or am I going to run duo? You can do everything. And then that opens up the playbook even more, especially in the run game.
2: Last thing on this, um, because I saw our guy, Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, put out his top fifty prospects one for the NFL draft, and I did a quick comb through. Not a single running back in the top fifty of his prospects. Mm-hmm. Now, last year, I believe he was super high on Bijan Robinson, higher even than most uh, people had him. And Bijan was was an, was a surefire top five, top ten pick. He was he was going to go in round one, top five but player. It so- it feels like like running back might. Would that be completely avoided in round one of the draft? Would you guys be shocked if a running back even doesn't? go in round 1 of the draft this year? I wouldn't be shocked if one didn't go in round 2. They, wow. This
1: running back class That's what I'm saying, I'm, yeah. I'm very high on Bucky Irving, like extremely high. Hmm. But you could probably still get him in round 3 even if he's your top back. This running back class is just not great. The wide receiver class is insane. I mm-hmm. have 20 wide receivers watched and graded, all but one finished with a third round grader better. And like there just isn't a lot of great talent. NIL is going to keep running backs in school. Because if they come out early, it's not going to be about them necessarily getting their second contract. It's going to be about, hey, Ohio State's going to give me X amount of money to stay for my senior year. Mm -hmm. Well, if I get taken around the same spot in the NFL, that's really not going to change my future. I'm just going to take the money now. So I think you're going to start seeing that trend more often. But like NIL is changing college football. It's going to change the way the NFL draft works. 53 guys declared early this year. Like five years ago, it was like 130. It, we're seeing a shift. And I think the running backs going to hurt this year. Next year's class, absurd. It's really, really, really good. Some of the talent that's going to come out like Travion Henderson, Quinchan Judkins, Trevor Etienne. There's like five more guys that could compete for running back one next year. It's really, really, really good. But nils is impacting this class and in and at running back because running back is a position
0: in the nfl obviously is being devalued whereas in (laughs) college we see how important running back really is and how they utilize it that guy can make so much more money not maybe so much but enough enough money to make it worth staying in college and 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 being the guy rather than having to go to the nfl as a third fourth round pick and and be the complimentary piece where they can go be the guy in college and, and make a couple million dollars so
2: i'm all for it yeah really really interesting stuff um It's probably going to do it for us here on Purple Daily on Draft. We'll have more mock drafts too coming up. No mock draft on this episode. We'll have future mocks, obviously, right here on Purple Daily on Draft. And yeah, mark your calendars. April 25th, the Purple Daily on Draft or Purple Daily Draft Party. I could call it the Purple Daily on Draft Party. I don't know if Mackie and Judd would be huge fans of that. But you can meet Tyler. You can meet Miles. You can see them and hear them in person. Thor will be there too. Uh, Go check it out. We'll have more ticket information coming in the coming days. But for now... Circle your calendar, go to the Fillmore's website too to get a little bit of a look-see of what that place is. It's a great concert hall. It's got a great uh, bar and restaurant too attached to it. We're super, super pumped for that here in a couple months. Hit that subscribe button. Daily, Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. This is Purple Daily on Draft.